This is IAQ Radio, indoor air quality radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day. Welcome to IAQ Radio Plus, episode 688. And this week, we welcome Pete Consigli, Cliff Zlotnick, and John Isaacson, plus a bunch of FOPs, friends of Pete's, from Naples, Florida, following the Andiosk Building Science Symposium and the Hurricane Response Workshop. We're going to get some key points from those two events and looking forward to a great show. Before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. They're the reason we can continue doing the show. And don't forget to check out afterthoughts.iaqradio.com after the show is sponsored by First On Site. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site at firstonsite.com. Our association sponsors are the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists, ACGIH.org, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA.org, the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, IICRC.org. Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories, AEMLINC.com, Particles Plus, ParticlesPlus.com, TSI Inc., TSI.com, Sunbelt Rentals, SunbeltRentals.com, Healthy Indoors Magazine, HealthyIndoors.com. And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man. Hello, everyone. Congratulations go out to John Spielfogel from Brooklyn, Massachusetts, who was first to identify... Occam's razor as the problem-solving principle that states when you're presented with multiple competing hypotheses for a phenomenon or explanation for an event, you should start by selecting the simplest and most likely one, the one that makes the fewest assumptions. The IEQ Radio Trivia question for today, January 27, 2023, has been sponsored by TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring of indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations at TSI.com. Here's today's IAQ radio trivia question. Which law of thermodynamics states that if two systems are in thermal equilibrium with a third system, then they are in thermal equilibrium with each other? Back to you, Joe. Interesting, Cliff. Very good. All right, so I, I'm actually going to turn it right back to you guys because um, Pete's put together a great group of people to give us some of the highlights. I see Andy Osk is there, ready to go. So, Cliff, let me turn it right back to you. Okay, thanks. Well, it was uh, – I was really looking forward to coming because you and I first met, I think, at the first summer camp. And, yeah. you, and you may or not remember, but you had a car, and you were very kind because you slept <laughs> me back and forth from the hotel to Joe's. and. Uh, you know, it was nice to have met you and uh, spent time with you there and uh, a couple times since then, yep. and uh, especially here. So I was excited uh, to be here. Uh, it was a great event, uh, two days, saw a lot of very familiar faces that, you know, I met at summer camp, met at different events, mm-hmm. IAQA, and so on and so forth. So l- let's go back to the very beginning. What was your motivation for doing this? I mean, 
where did he get? Oh, we, um, we, have, we have a need here locally uh, to spread the word on building science. Right. In other words, we had a lot of problems with our houses, uh, particularly around well, the turn of the century. Houses built from 95 to 05 were adding insulation, getting tighter, but we didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Normally, we were, we were just we went at it, and then a lot of stuff didn't work. So we, the motivation was to educate our local building and HVAC trades on building science, and of course, how to deal with the humidity mechanically once it was in the building. And we've been continuing that. We've had these sessions on and off now. It's been 25 years since the first one. We've been gone now for about three years since COVID. Right. And uh, now we're back. So that, that was the motivation. It, it, it spread the word in building science locally. Gotcha. And how did this event uh, compare to prior events? Did you have more people here, less people, uh, more speakers, less speakers? You know, what was different? Yeah, pretty much everything was, I suppose, twice as big as it's been before. Uh, it was um, the brainchild of uh, Rick and Ricky Sims to expand right. it. And so this is the first time we've had a two-day event. Sure. Um, this is intended to, and it's turned out to be a regional event. Okay. So, yeah, and we had more speakers. Understood. After we brought in Dr. Joe Seabrook, everybody knows Dr. Joe. Right. Uh, that's probably what the building science guys paid to come right. to hear right. Joe. Right. Uh, uh, one or two people asked for their money money back because uh, uh, in his old age, Joe no, no longer drives the, uh, drops the F-bomb frequently. Right. <laughs> uh, so, a lot, a lot of there. But, uh, uh, but we, um, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of uh, addressing a market, um, there's a certain number of people who want to hear Dr. Joe. Right. Uh, in at summer camp, he's the host right. and, and brings in a variety of speakers. He gives about one session. Right. At this session, you hear Dr. Joe. Right. Um, it turns out it's warmer in Naples in the winter, really, than it is in Boston. So, yeah, so, that's surprising. So, isn't so, it? so it turns out a certain, number, a certain number of people will rather pay money to come to Naples in January than to go to Boston in August. The, the, the weather in Boston is about the same as it is here. Understood. Uh, and then. Uh, so that's that, that kind of they say two day regional building science conference, um, and of course we're we're dovetailing with Pete. Pete's Pete's uh, been our biggest supporter. Or we, we we couldn't do this if Pete weren't helping us. Yeah, well, I, I guess the the question is, you know, you know, we've had we've been fortunate. We've had Joe Stebrecht uh, on our show mm -hmm. uh, previously, mm -hmm. but how did you get all those people not only to agree? Uh, you know, to 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 attend at your event at the same time. Uh, you know, the pioneers. How did you manage? Well, that? first of all, again, that that was all uh, Rick Sims was the driving force behind that. Um, in order, um, it wasn't hard to get Joe down here. Right. We paid him. Understood. That seemed to work. Okay. <laughs> um, we'd all lost. Con a lot of people have lost contact with John Tooley. Uh, so we had, it means we just really had to call some people just to get his email or phone number. Understood. And then it was easy to convince him to come because he has a brand new presentation, which he gave, right. uh, Mad Air uh, 2023. Mm -hmm. um, the hardest one to find was Neil Moyer. He's pretty much hiding. Right. So it turns out I know his daughter. Okay. Um, I should plug there. Uh, Heather just finished law school. It's like that amazing. He was t t teaching her to be a tech. Mm -hmm. She's in her middle. Of the, she's in her mid forties and put herself got herself through law school. So I've been I've been in contact with her. So so anyway, I got her to get dad. We 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 
Neil would not come to appear. Understood. We we lied to him. We promised him he he would have root canal surgery if he came over to Naples. Okay. And then he found out he was at a conference. Okay. And, and oh, and we have Gary Nelson. Now, are people here familiar with Gary Nelson and Energy Conservatory? Is that is he's less known amongst this group? I would think less known. Yeah. Well, okay. So so Gary Nelson invented the blower door right. and manufactures it along with some other neat things like the true flow grid mm -hmm. and of course the manometer. Um, and uh, he's theoretically retired. He sold the company to uh, Steve Rogers, right. but he, he, he just likes to come to the stuff and he just makes a big contribution. And he was there at the beginning. So he, he so now I've mentioned the four legends, John Tooley, Neil Moyer, Gary Nelson and Joe Steve Rogers. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think his uh, presentation you know, in terms of blower doors was very, very interesting because we now see, you know, what they look like now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think most people in our industry would be familiar having seen one or a picture of one or kind of know what they do. Mm -hmm. But to go back and look at the historical, you know, blower doors on the back of trucks and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, huge pieces of equipment and, and you know, yeah. the design and, you know, the involvement of universities and so on and so forth was... Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, and, you remember, and Gary just doesn't plug his product. The with right. you, if you see a university that's had a blower door, right? Oh, that means they had to um, reconfigure the building HVAC. It might have been a fan as big as this room, right? Right. To to you know to to take to take the building down to my minus fifty. Understood. Yeah, yeah. he's even active in that. So <clears throat> the, the, the plug I put in for the blower door. Uh, of course, we've got competitors now. It isn't just an exclusive with Energy Conservatory. Right. Is that you should be using it as a tool. It should be, I think it was like a, like a level. Like we always have a level in the toolbox. Right. Mm -hmm. If we need a level, we pull the level out and use it. Um, a board or isn't uh, something you just do once, like for five minutes to take the vacuum on the, you know, the mm -hmm. measure the thickness of a house. It, it should be out there in every project. Uh, if you're doing weather, weather uh, uh, weatherization, you, you, you keep... You, you keep that blower door running all the time, and that's that's where you find find your leaks. You know, I think you and Pete um, had an experience here of you know, not only hosting this event but also interacting with the crowd on an individual basis, you know, on a public basis, and so on. So, what's some of the feedback that you got back from people that attended? Um, the well, the feedback was, was good. I mean, in a, generally speaking, it was positive. Uh, actually, we we got some. Let's let's say. Not criticism. Let's call suggestions for improvement. Yeah, yeah, understood. Uh, but um, uh, everybody was 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 really was, they were focused on on the legends. Yeah. Uh, the, that's what made this event different. Yeah. Um, there was there was a great presentation by uh, uh, Kimberly Llewellyn right. from Mitsubishi and Brian Orr. Probably most right. everybody here probably knows Brian Orr. Of them, sure. Completely different presentation. Right. I mean, you also hear some things you wouldn't hear at just any seminar. Right. But so, uh, every, just every, everybody was pleased, I think. You know, going back to the panel, I think that was, you know, before I came, that was the the thing that I was most looking forward mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. here. Uh, let's talk about that. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that it was kind of unique. Where did you come up with the idea of making it like uh, – you know, Phil Don Donahue interview with you know people on the couch and so well, on and so forth. That might have been Pete. He might have kind of <laughs> I think. Yeah, okay. I think, uh, yeah. You know, you, you, you ever got to remember? I'm I'm a back of the house engineer. Okay. Um, I uh, 
I, I, I had a selling job when I first got out of college. Understood. And uh, I think uh, the expression was uh, slightly politically incorrect. I the comment was, I couldn't sell girls on first day. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so the, the, the presentation was all Rick and, Rick and Pete. Okay. I should try anything you'd like to get a word in on. Um, I thought the presentation, I hadn't heard of Brian Orr, and apparently I'm like you, I was uh, yeah. living under a rock. Right. So um, I thought their presentation was really well put as far as like blending, what did she say, theory with uh, experience and um and then, which I think is attributed to what Joe presented, Brian mentioned, uh, we, when we get lost in the complex, we fail to be masters of the obvious. And so <laughs> it was really refreshing to hear Joe encourage people to reach out and, you know, bring the younger generation in, um, but also his ability to distill high-level information, you know, to real usable, yeah. um, you know, for the everyday practitioner. One, um, one thing that was slightly different about this conference is most conferences in, in, in my world are nerds, geeks, whatever you want to call it, like the summer camp. It's absolutely an ASHRAE. I'm a big ASHRAE person. I've been, I've been an ASHRAE. I, I got a pinner thing that says I'm a life member of ASHRAE. Mm -hmm. Okay, that means I've belonged more than 50 years and I have a pulse. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so it's absolutely verboten to say anything commercial to advance your product. Understood. Uh, if any of you appear at an ASHRAE meeting or at summer camp, you've got to talk about the science mm. and you kind of got to talk equally about what the products do. Right. And, 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 that's, and that's fine. That's what we do. I mean, and, and you get your fingers slapped if you commercialize during one of these presentations. Sure. Okay, this event was, was different. This was supported by vendors, by people who have products and services to sell. Understood. So we relaxed the rules. I, I guess I did that. said, so look, it's about science. It's about the truth when you're up there, but but if but if it's the truth is what your product does, or the science is what your product does, then you got to tell us. I mean, you 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 might have a you might have a a process or a product that's proprietary. Right. Well, tell us about it. Right. So 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 people were able to get directly mm. uh, to, to what they do. You know, one one of the things that I've learned over the years is that um, people want to know. Like like yourself, people want to know which HVAC manufacturer's product do you use? Do you trust? Do you recommend? Do you have experience? With? I mean, you're notable in, in the field, and people that come and they hear hear you, they want to know what you do and how you do it. They yeah. want to hear that stuff. Yeah. And I think a lot of times there's a, a fence or a wall or a corral around it, yeah. and I think sometimes people get disappointed and frustrated. By it. I mean, in the audience. I mean, that definitely happens. I've yeah, I, yeah. I, I think uh, my first experience was I came back to my hometown, and uh, I had to find a lawyer you know, to handle my parents' eventually their estate, understood. You know, to manage their affairs. Understood. And uh, I was looking, talking to our banker, and I said, "Well, how do you, how do I choose a lawyer? You know, or, or I don't have it right." I said, how, 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 to, "How to find a lawyer? Well, when somebody recommends somebody, they tell you, you know, go to this person, this person, first." And that's right. then ask them who they use. Right, absolutely. So before you ask me, I've been a almost a missionary for water source heat pumps. Okay. I mean, all day, every day, water source heat pumps. That's a in our condominiums, high rises, mm -hmm. they're all they almost all have water source source heat pumps. Some of the big McMansions in Naples, water source heat pumps. Uh, in the uh, we have some audience here, I'm sure that's from the middle Atlantic states. That's your geothermal. Right. We just don't put them to the ground here. We uh, we put a cooling tower in the roof. 
Um, all right, water source heat pump has had its day. Uh, I put brand new water source heat pumps in my house about four years ago. I bought a house, remodeled it, mm -hmm. just ripped them out uh, and replaced them with Mitsubishi VRF. Okay. So before you ask the question, that's so somebody would probably want to know that, right? Right. No, absolutely. If, if no. I'm telling everybody you got to use water source heat pumps, right? But gee, I ripped them out of my house and I put in Mitsubishi. Right. That's probably important information, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, better, superior technology, yeah. better energy. But with everybody, yeah, you want to know no. what they're doing. No, absolutely. No, I, I, yeah. Particularly the successful people. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, speaking of, of successful people, you know, I, I want to go back to the, yeah. I want to go back to the, the pioneer panel. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, for me, I felt like I was in the FBI, and it was a stakeout. And you know, you're in that van, and yeah. you're monitoring what's going on inside the building because yeah. i think the people that were on the stage was a were i believe they were oblivious to everybody in the audience and they were just interacting and, and yeah. engaging with each other and you have four really successful guys that are really legends and pioneers in the industry and you know you have this commonality among them is they all had like major major struggles you know, financially and personally. And so, I mean, and it was, you know, it's honest, you know, you see this guy like Tony Robbins or, you know, he's this professional, you know, I'm going to make you rich and famous and yeah. so on and so forth. And he's had all these struggles. So, mm -hmm. you know, all these successful people have yeah. gone through a lot of personal things. And, to, and to, I think for the audience, I think that was very, very important. Yeah. And they had this other commonality which they use the term, you know, bring somebody up with, with, about mentorship, that everyone that was there had someone who had mentored them and kind of helped them along the way and made a, yeah. you know, a tremendous difference Yes, yeah, in, in, in what they did. And um, I, I think the humble beginnings, we heard those are honest stories. Oh, absolutely. Uh, these guys tell honest stories. You, you just tell them in a way that's entertaining. Right. Yeah. That's my stories. I, I tell my kids, you know, Grandpa, you tell stories, but somewhere in there, there's some facts. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, I, um, I do know the, 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 they love they love to tell stories about driving from Toronto to Atlanta and bald tires. Right. And, oh yeah. Ten bucks in their pocket. Right. Maybe stretched a little bit. Right. Right. But I but I do know um, that when, when they started in Florida, uh, it wasn't big hotels and banquet rooms and right. going out for big dinners afterwards. Right. Um, uh, I I I I think uh, I, in fact I'm I'm, I'm certain uh, Joe Steebrook you know slept at Neil Moyer's house. You know, and, and his kids had to sleep on the couch. I mean, understand. I mean that's that, that's where they started. Right, understood. Yeah, and then and they one thing they have in common with I guess I'm an asteroid guy, or you want to put a label on me? You know, as an HVAC that's engineer, a, that's okay. More, you know, then be then got into building science. You guys are all over something else before you understand. Uh, got into what what you do is um and and and, and yes yes I, I I lost I lost my point. Uh, I, I do that quite often. What, uh, <laughs> what, what were your what were your uh, takeaways from that pioneer panel? I think, like you said, it, it, it um, in in a very good way. It was just four guys 
you know, talking about their experiences and, and exactly that because what do a lot of successful, you know, I'm an overnight success, 30 years in the making. <laughs> yes. and, and so it was very fun to hear. What, what we all have in common is that we're, we're trying to find either fact or truth. They're kind of related. Mm -hmm. And that works really well. Right. Like, like, like uh, the, um, our slogan in ASHRAE, it's not really our slogan, it was of our founders, was um, proclaiming the truth. Mm. And I mentioned that on the podium, and, and that kind of relates back to what we're doing here. However, if you read a little further, all those proclaimers were people making and selling products, <laughs> right. but but they're doing it doing it based on fact. Right. Um, I uh, a place where truth works real well for me is I do a certain amount of expert witness work. Mm -hmm. My colleagues won't do it. I, I don't know another engineer locally, so I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Well. That was my customer. You know, I'm not going to criticize that guy. Well, no, uh, that's not what it's about. You criticize the work, find the problem, identify the problem, tell people the problem is what to do about it, yeah. and you leave it out. I, there, there's uh, there was people I did, people there that had had been on the you know the opposite side that I testified against. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of my sources of business is is people contractors who I've you know who I've been the expert. Oh right, condemning their work. Yeah. When they have a problem, they come and seek me out. Understood. Because they know I'm just going to talk about the problem. I'm not going right. to. I'm not going to criticize anybody. Right. And, and and that's a little bit with you know similar with, with the science. So let's just get to what the fact is. Right. What the truth I, is. I, I just love those old pictures they had of working yeah. with each other on different projects and so on and so forth. And then different colored hair or more of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I like to bust Joe about is, um, you know, uh, there's a great picture. Uh, he, you've all seen it. He's been putting it up for about almost 30 years about the Library of Congress. Right, right. He had a picture of it there at the, the event. Yeah. As I say, you know, back when I was a kid, I think it was about, about 1954, uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, he wasn't Sir Edmund Hillary. Right. Was, he yeah. climbed Mount Everest. I understand, yeah. So there's a photo of Sir Edmund Hillary on the summit. Mm -hmm. Okay, to prove he was there. Uh, who was holding the camera? <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think the trip eventually did get credit, I believe. Okay. Well, anyway, if you look at this picture of Joe, and he's 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 holding court in the Library of Congress, right. proving the Congress sucks. You've all heard the story right, right, over right. and over. Right, right, right. But he looked real hard. There's some poor soul lugging all his equipment, you know, Bolador <laughs> and instruments <laughs> and hoses. You know who that is in that picture? Do you guys know? That's Neil Moyer. Okay. Well, there, there was something. Uh, what did he say? There's oh, one of the zingers, like the, the one that he said that, that I liked the best. That this one that I hadn't heard him say yeah. before is there's no dough without a show. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. and, that, and that's really yeah, you know, it, it was it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, you know? yeah, but it's, but, it's, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Presentation, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and 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 those are pretty good. You know the the rain. Uh, the, the rain flow, flows mainly on the plane. On the I mean, plane, yeah. And, uh, and then how he came up with it. At the, yeah, right. At the right. Drain the rain from the plane. <laughs> Drain the rain. Hey, Cliff, can I, can I get a question in for Andy? Absolutely. Sure, sure. sure. No. Hey, another presentation by John Tooley was about mad air, Andy. I wonder if you could tell people the importance of the work early on that John did, and they call it mad air, and why. Yeah, and don't. Somebody else, please tell me what, what what the letters stand for. I don't remember exactly. 
it had to do with the relationship between the structure and mechanical equipment, but what wasn't understood until these guys <coughs> uh, attacked it was we didn't understand that ducts leak air and that houses leak air, and air leaks everywhere, uh, mainly where any, any place is a joint or a change in direction. You think about that, that's true about everything in life. If I'm your, your laying block, it's easy to lay cement block in a row. Mm -hmm. Now you got to make the corner. It's easy to cut a. It's easy to make a straight board. But let's try to fit two pieces of board together. That's hard. Well, it's hard to fit fit things together if joints and changes of direction. So that's where leaks are. But nobody had thought of the building as an enclosure. Right. So they're the guys that kind of got got their arms around that. Now they're the ones that realize that ducts leak. Um, I don't know if anybody here with sheet metal experience. I was probably working in an industry where we use sheet metal ducts. And I was, I was doing that, well, not so much here, but certainly for 30 years. And we, we were really good at it. I mean, if you do it by the book, uh, uh, I think, I think the, the trade originated in Pittsburgh. Uh, any, anybody in or from around uh, Pennsylvania that's worked, they know what slips, drives, brakes. Oh yeah. No, no. All that. Okay. Well, we, we, that was really good stuff. Absolutely. Well, what we didn't know was, was it was a really, really good duct. But leak like I said. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so they they they, they they and they had to, they, they had to figure that out and they had to figure out why that was important because in our climate, all the air that leaks out has got to come from where out outside. It's got to be comes in and that brings in heat and moisture. So to answer your question, that that, that, that that's why the work was important. You call nobody even understood how to go at that, Joe. And he did that, and he also did a lot of research on it and, and where the air goes and how it goes, and then put together these beautiful papers that I know he talked about. Yeah. And, well, you know, speaking about Pittsburgh, a lot of houses with pound, with, uh, uh, you know, pan uh, ductwork where they use the, you know, the floor joist and, mm -hmm. you know, they just put metal on it. And then, hey, Joe, tell, tell the audience what a Pittsburgh toilet is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we all had one in the basement. Uh, it was just a, a toilet in the basement. It didn't necessarily have to have walls around it. It was just a toilet. And uh, when you came home we from the middle, you went into the basement or the farm. You went into the basement. You dropped your clothes there, and you did your business. And um, if you were lucky, you also had a Pittsburgh shower, which was next to right. the Pittsburgh toilet. <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's yeah. like the, you know any house yeah. you know built in the '30s. The, I mean they 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 have one in every mm -hmm. single one of them. But yeah, it's it's one of the common things that kind of goes along with the ductwork. Yeah. Pete, would you like to make any comments on? Uh, well, on the Pittsburgh on... toilet. I had a different take in that. Apparently, that was a five-gallon pail in the basement. If they didn't have one, <laughs> well, if, if, and I've been in one of those houses actually, so I'm telling that from first-hand experience. <laughs> Thanks for the setup, Cliff. You didn't know I was going to say that. No. Hey, Joe, he, he, I'm a new Omaha kid. He never knows what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> He can speak up so I can hear the no, That's what I was going to say. But... Well, I didn't want to have to walk up to the table for the phone, so I figured I don't need no stinking microphone if you can hear me. Okay, Cliff, seriously, what was the question? No, no. <laughs> the, question the question was your comments on his event. Oh, on Andy. Well, um, I just wanted to say, anytime I'm involved with anything, we're going to have fun. It's a core value in a good way. Now, most of you guys on the podcast know that, but like over half of you know me. 
Anyway, uh, Andy, the vet was fabulous. Thank you. And working together with Rick and Ricky behind the scenes to do all this stuff was one of the highlights for me. Yeah. Uh, to get those pioneers, as long as we tried, you know, people don't know the history, Joe. Uh, this event was supposed to be launched in 2020, and we had so much work and time that we put into it, and two weeks before the event, the world closed down. We, had, we tried to see if we could run in 2021, but it was too complicated. One of the things that we were going to do was, in the 2020 model, when it was called spring training, Joe had said that they had kind of launched a spring training while we were doing a winter break, and, and like we knew each other, we didn't know. So Joe said, hey, you guys ought to call Andy and consolidate. Well, we coordinated that first year, and the winter break went off. It was right after the IQA when it was the West Palm. And we were planning on moving to spring training, and then what happened happened. Now, we tried to bring it back earlier, but the problem was the event center where we initially had it closed down never came back. Um, and then this venue, we had this thing called the Hayes Venue, and what we're going to do is going to be a, a slight model after summer camp. We were going to have the technical sessions, you know, like, like a hotel, which was in this event center. And then this Hayes venue was a venue not far from there in Bonita Springs, where you rent this property for a week. And the guy who owned this, you, you, it was a residential neighborhood, but you rented it to put weddings on, events like that. It had tiki bars. It had a big house with four bedrooms, all the speakers. We had two cottages. Andy was staying in one and Joe in another. Uh, we had to get a golf cart on there just to ride around in a venue with stuff just to take the garbage to the dumpster. We had we had a, a we had a guy who was similar to the Texans at summer camp with like the uh, um, that one of the nights was coming with the barbecue and deliver a whole Texas style barbecue. That was one night, right? Then we uh, and, and some of the some of the vendors were going to bring big equipment in there for them. We were trying to figure out how to bring all it in. But then the highlight was going to be I had the, of the summer camp crew, Darren, Miguel. Springston, uh, uh, all these guys, a lot of them were all going to come. Hey, Jack, you're on there. How you doing, buddy? They were all going to come, and we were going to cook in the house, and we had all the stuff bought to put a little mini kind of deal on, and we are going to do the Sicilian night and a bunch of other stuff. And Joe, they were all going to stay over some extra days. There's going to be about 50 people smoking and networking and just, you know, to try to do that. And we were all excited about it. Well, what happened was when we tried to reschedule, the issues with at night, with the venue, it just didn't become practical. So what, what wound up turning out, the Hilton, Naples Hilton was the only venue that could, could accommodate us. And, uh, and it, you know, it's a great venue. They did a good job. Everything was terrific there. A little on the high side, but it is what it is. It's Naples. And uh, so then in order to, to get the networking, we just followed through with the same model from the winter break, where we just put the parties on and, you know, off venue, because you know, they don't eat in a hotel every night. And, uh, and those worked out really good. And we, we had started that the last couple of times. But the key thing was, is we had been inviting Andy and Rick and them to come to winter break for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, there was some conflict, but Rick always came. Yep. And then last year, Rick did a very technical presentation. And after that, there was a meeting with the lead, with the, with Ron Mazur from AML, uh, came over with Andy, uh, with uh, Rick, and we decided to say, let's collaborate these two events and co-brand them so we have the odd even year with the different credits and try to blend the audiences. And as, as you can see, I've already started the marketing for AML Winter Break next year. The marketing starts as soon as one ends, the other one ends. And then next year, uh, Rick, uh, <laughs> Rick and, the, uh, and Andy and all the others, they'll bring the flyers for what they're going to do in 2025. And we're hoping to build this and to just bring these audiences together so we can blend remediators and assessors with builders, HVAC guys, architects, and engineers. And we're hoping that the last week of January or the first week of February, we want to stay away from ASHRAE, surfaces, these other shows, that this is essentially where the world comes to learn about building science, which is a connector, and who the best of the best are in all these disciplines. That's my story, Radio Joe, and I'm sticking to it. All right, Pete, thank you. Hey, let's, John, let's go to halftime. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site, your trusted, full-service disaster recovery and property restoration company at firstonsite.com. Association sponsors are ACGIH, Advancing Careers of Professionals in Environmental Health, Industrial Hygiene, and Safety, Interested in Defining Their Science, ACGIH.org, AIHA, Healthy Workplaces, A Healthier World, AIHA.org, the IICRC, a nonprofit standards development and certifying body for the cleaning and restoration industry, IICRC. CRC.org. Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories, free shipping, great pricing, same day results with no rush fee, AEMLINC.com. Particles Plus, feature rich particle counters and air quality instrumentation. Count on us, ParticlesPlus.com. TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations, TSI.com. Sunbelt Rentals, availability, reliability, and ease for all your IAQ and restoration needs at sunbeltrentals.com. And Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online magazine for industry professionals and consumers, healthyindoors.com. I also want to mention quickly the Restoration Industry Association is going to be joining us again as a sponsor. So we look forward to having more to talk about with them and uh, promoting their upcoming uh, conference coming up. Where Pete, you know the dates on that? Uh, what's that? The RIA, Restoration, RIA. RIA conference? Yeah, it's um, April 23rd to the 26th. It's in Orlando at the Rosen Center, Shingle Creek. Great. Thank you, Pete. Cliff, let me send it back to you. Okay, and what I wanted, yeah, what I was going to do is kind of turn it over to John and uh, get his um, his comments on uh, just the beginning of the event. Beginning of the event. Well, we kicked it off with a, um, uh, a Pete Consigli kickoff uh, for our agenda and all the hard work he did putting it all together and setting everybody straight with the, uh, what is it called, Pete? The, I'm drawing a blank. 
The BMA? The, well, no, I'm sorry, the antitrust. Oh, the sure antitrust. Any, okay. um, any boundaries are uh, there. So then uh, David Popper and Justin Peterson called in um, from Zoom as the Legal Eagles and uh, most familiar with all of the, um, shall we say, the unique aspects of working in Florida uh, and some of the updates on that. So, um, and Popper introduced Peterson as one of you know, the most brilliant minds he's worked with um, in relationship to trying to keep up on that. So anyone working in Florida or wanting to know um, how to best navigate that, uh, they're definitely a great resource. Um, and then following them was the remediation panel with uh, some of the younger guys, Michael Samula on the assessment side and Josh Winton on the remediation side. Uh, and Michael shared about a really interesting product with some fruit in a very large warehouse that was affected by a hurricane. Um, and something the audience will be very proud to hear the younger guys reporting is uh, he placed a heavy emphasis on safety, you know, for uh, the management of the company and for technicians on site and working with the customer. Um, and I think he uh, talked about the working together working with each other and not against each other for the IEP and the contractor, uh, and also setting those clear and grounded expectations so that we can come to a positive outcome. Uh, and then Josh Winton followed that up with um, talking about some of the parameters for pre and post evaluation and kind of give a breakdown of how he saw that being most effective. I think that gets you. Then we had a mid-morning break. And then that got to where you yeah. were able to put your keen eyes on everything. Yeah, that, and then I, I think the first you know, total presentation that I got to see was Bob, Bob Blockinger and um, Bavarian Bob. Yeah, Bavarian Bob, and you know it, it was um, kind of talking about you know what's the difference between a consultant and uh, a subject matter expert. Is Bob watching? What are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know it was, it was pretty interesting and you know he brought up that this uh you know the point of uh you know if you're a consultant you're really considered a trusted advisor mm. and one of the interesting things is my biggest takeaway from what he said wasn't something that he said mm. and my biggest takeaway from what he said was Ken Larson's comment on what he said after he said it, and I really thought it was a, a brilliant comment, and it was the fact that um, buildings, by surrounding themselves uh, with their own experts, are in a much better, before a claim occurs, they're in a much better uh, position once a claim occurs. Yeah. And... Uh, I mean, so many times in these, they don't know what to do if they've established who they trust and who the experts are. Yeah. You know, before they end up having the loss, it's a whole lot better. Yeah. Uh, for for them later, and and they're really in a great position of leverage too. And well, I think that prior accumulating your experts prior, which was Ken's encouragement, as right. opposed to the working definition, I think Bob brought up of an expert is that someone was, brought in at the that end. That was my definition. Oh, that's what you brought in. Someone brought in at the end to uh, share the blame. That's right. The expert brought in at the last <laughs> minute goes to, crap. to share the blame. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or share the liability. <laughs> so that was good. And then after Bob, we had uh, Casey 
and uh, Casey Clark. Another young guy. Another young guy. And I was real impressed with Josh, too. I mean, he did a really, really nice job. And I think one of the coolest things is it was like a nice room. I mean, it's like intimate, and there's like a, you know, it's not 100 people. And yeah, a very, very tight, nice, inner, inner, intimate room. And, uh, you know, very, very good interaction you know, between the, the folks that were there and yeah. just really good comments. Really, really strong program. Well, it was a nice mix, too, of, of grounded guys that have been doing it a long time and know what they're talking about, and <clears throat> young guys trying to do it the right way. And yeah, I, I think, you know, with Casey, um, you know, there's never a wrong time to ask for payment. <laughs> and I think a lot of times, you know, we have tendencies uh, not to do that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you have to, and then another thing is if they won't sign the work authorization at the beginning, they're not going to sign the check at the end. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, there's some consistency there. And, uh, you know, if you want to do storm stuff, you got to buckle up. I, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty important. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other thing he said was that analogy of a duck? You're like all prim and proper, uh, but you're floating on the surface, but you're chicken like, like hell underwater. Yep. Yep. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a really good one. When we circle back around to his comments about, you know, one of the most important things you can do, especially in storm work, but even day to day, is uh, the clients that you choose to, you know, align yourself with. Right, right. A bad client isn't worth it. And let's maybe move over to Jeremy. I thought that his. Uh, I'm, and I'm probably not going in order, but I'm going in order of the pages, John. So to me, that's more important <laughs> than the schedule. <laughs> so, uh, I, I thought that he... Now did. you just pulled an Omaha clip. <laughs> no, it's a Pittsburgh. Not an All right, okay. <laughs> it's like for the Pittsburgh toilet. Yeah, I got it. Pittsburgh protocol. That's right. Got you got it. Yeah. So, but, you know, he... Uh, I, I, I didn't realize that Jeremy and Ralph had kind of worked together and they yeah. had kind of that mentorship relationship. I'd never met him before, but, you know, he talked all about standards and, uh, you know, qualifications. And um, I thought that that was, I, I liked what he said and the importance of, me of mentorship. You know, he talked about certification and, you know, the, the one comment that wasn't made by him, but there was a comment made and it might've been Steve Reck that had made it at um, at Andy's event. The fact that someone has credentials doesn't mean that they're competent. Mm. And uh, you know, if you have all the credentials in the world, but if you don't have the experience, you don't have the common sense, you don't have the skill. You know, having the badge doesn't mean that you're competent. And uh, I thought that was wasn't that I thought that was important. We are having a sidebar with Ken, though, and I think it was brought up in the event that credentials, though, in court are often what the court's looking for. Correct. Yeah. Credentials oftentimes do give um, the, the court look gives them greater weight yeah. than they give uh, do we get that right, Ken? experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And so it is important to do both, you know. And, you know, I, I thought the, uh, you know, all the uh, the photos of the air sampling pumps on various jobs being on the floor. <laughs> we really don't live on the floor of our house. Yes. But that's where all these guys are taking the air samples. So, well, I think a lot of questions came out of that presentation, you know, from Ralph and Jeremy. And that was, you know, just ask yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? 
And is it actually measuring what you think it's measuring? Well, actually, Ken's words were third-party experts surrounding the client. The client is less likely to get into a dispute. So yeah. That's kind of... I liked what he said better than my paraphrase, but in any event... Uh, I did too, but I wasn't going to say anything. But you could have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll put it in the blog. Uh, what about Sean Bay, uh, Shane Bailey? I thought that he did uh, an interesting... Uh, I think his whole business concept is really interesting, which is, you know, in our industry, a lot of times we'll do moisture mapping, you know, like after a water loss, you know, where's the moisture? Yeah. To kind of map it out. And he kind of maps out the whole building, yeah. you know, the outside, the inside before they go in. And I thought that that was really a brilliant idea. Yeah. And I think that goes a couple steps. That, that would be the second power of what Ken said. Yeah, you know, having that appraisal of your building, having you know what the conditions were and the documentation yeah. uh, of your systems and uh, what good condition they're in and so on and so forth before you get a loss. Well, I think that's important. The proofs in the pudding because two of the largest uh, contractors in our industry they have whole programs dedicated to that, especially on the commercial properties, and they've proven that they can. Uh, Kind of get ahead of, ahead of everybody by doing so. And speaking of pudding, that cream brulee at <laughs> <laughs> Shane's brother's restaurant was uh, was definitely uh, was definitely on target there. Yeah. Uh, well, and then that ties into to technology, right? Because Paul, Shane, and Paul front back to back as far as you know, using your tech up front, making those relationships so they know who to call, and then um, getting the right technology partner to um, assemble that information and present it properly. And, and, I, and I like some of the ideas about um, getting in, you know, using LinkedIn to get, uh, you know, introductions and, yeah. you know, find out who the treasurer is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, of the company or whatever. I thought that, uh, you know, looking at the corporate report, find out who the treasurer is and, you know, uh, you know, if you're, going to give them more beans to count. You want to figure out who's counting the beans, I guess. Are you saying, Cliff, that the proper use for Facebook and LinkedIn is not to advertise to other contractors that you're better than them at doing what they already do, but maybe for outreach and presenting your information to people that will actually use it? I would agree with that. Yeah. Wow. That's groundbreaking stuff. It is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Cliff, yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, All the what, messages what, been out there. What were your thoughts on... Uh, Mean circle presentation, Paul. I was, I was. Yeah. Pete, here, John. What does it say? Does, does he always just jump in like he just can't help himself? Okay. Where trivia question for you? Where did Paul Donald work before he started in circle? No, yeah, he said it. I, he said it, and I can't remember. Ah. Go ahead. Electrician. Blackberry. Blackberry. And then he was an electrician as well. I knew the electrician part. Right. So he shared quite an interesting story. Ashley and I had the privilege of sitting next to him last night at dinner and he shared more about that story. That it was, was pretty, it was pretty good. good. But he has yeah. thirty years of software experience and um you know, this encircle is a uh, a documentation platform. Um and that today I think success in our industry is really about people, process, and training. And before we, we get into his 
statistics and crunching and so on and so forth. I thought the importance of something that he said, I just never would have thought of it before, but he said a lot of the restoration companies that are very, very successful in doing cat work actually practice it. Hmm. Yeah, but before the event. And if yeah. you think about it, I, mean, I guess it's like football or any other sport. The more you practice it, the better, you know, the better you are. Well, I think it juxtaposed against people who say, hey, we're kind of struggling on day claims. Let's go chase a storm. Right. right. <laughs> no, no, but that's what happens yeah, with yeah. a lot of these guys. We're going to make money. You know, yeah, they, yeah. they think that, you know, absolutely. But, you know, the fact that... Um, of all the the users, and I guess they have thousands of people that that use that product. The two percentages, the thirty three percent of the people that did cat work met their financial expectations, while sixty seven percent of their customers did not. Well, that's so key, though. Like you, your revenues can grow, but if you don't have the proper systems, right? Like, sure, you maybe met or exceeded your revenue goals, but maybe you made crap on the money, right? Speaking of revenues growing, the average customer there did 226% higher volume, higher volume, which, which is important. Hey guys, I'm not sure if Paul said this, but something you just said, John, who said, and it could have been one of the panel guys who said, if you're going to respond to this cat, Keep in mind, what about your regular customers? Because they don't want to hear that you have some emergency to take care of. Who said that? That was important. We've been talking about that. I think it's going to come up. Was that Paul or someone else? I think someone else, but I should oh, have it. Oh, top 10, okay. I'm going to have it on. No, top no, I'm, 10, gonna, top I'm, 10. I'm going to have it on there. Yeah. So then yeah, let's talk about Ed now. So we had Ed well, for can I, I think ahead. Absolutely. Paul said uh, overriding kind of that concept is understand emotionally, but act logically. Right. I don't remember I don't know, remember if that was his hey, quote or not. So, hey. Can I, can I ask you? It's like I was my second to the last note, but like I just, I'm trying to feed you, man. I want to ask a favor. Go ahead. For my brother Ed. Go ahead. Can we save him for last? Can you do Crosa? Yeah, no, no, I can do I can do do Crosa. I want want to add Ed. No, I'm going to do Ralph first. Oh, Ralph. I forgot about Ralph. Oh, yeah. Ralph, Crosa, and then let Ed be the. Okay. Because he's the advocate. He's a restoration lawyer. Let him. You he, wanna, was, he was great. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, something something to in that line that Paul said that I think a lot more contractors should chew on is consider the reviewer if your program works or adjuster as your accountant. You know, this guy was like sitting next to me, and every note that I wrote down, like he has the same notes. Well, I just copied. I took it, pictures. It's like <laughs> it's scary. It's like what, what's my last note? It's like. I'm telling you, it's like somebody trying to cheat on the WLA. Cliff, remember this. I think your handwriting is He said you guys are the OGs. So if he's going to cheat, at least cheat for the valedictorian. No, I'm not accusing him of cheating, buddy. No, I'm only kidding. I'm cheating like in quotes. No, but it's good to have the same. You're on the same surfboard. Yeah, but the important things that we heard. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we got... Starting the dang learning curve. So we got Ralph. Right. Going to Ralph. Yeah, so let's go on to Ralph. So, um, I, for, I mean, you already brought up Jeremy. Jeremy and Ralph were paired together. I got to sit with them. Um, I think that's obviously, I think we're preaching to the choir even to those listening in. But, you know, a lot of what you learn at these kind of events is off the clock. But um, got to hear more about their story. 
and Ralph practicing what he preached. And he said that from the stage. He's like, you know, Joe said it, Ralph said it, you know, if you're not grabbing somebody, but Ralph said, you're, 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 you're grabbing them to, uh, to, to, to train them up, but to teach them to be independent and to kind of be a, a guideline, right? You know, and so there's nothing better than bringing somebody that's up and coming, you know, and, and it goes from them asking you questions incessantly about everything to, you know, maturing into, uh, hey, I think this is the right thing to do. I just want to run it by you. And then those calls become less and less, and then they're flourishing. And uh, it was, I think that was one really cool dynamic between their presentations and their relationship was, you know, Jeremy Beagle's 100% his own person, but. Right. I, I think one of the things that Ralph said that I never really thought about, but it, it really makes absolute sense that, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh and we leave the fan on all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of the bathroom in the basement? Well, actually, my. Where I live now does not have a Pittsburgh toilet because it's a newer home. But <laughs> my all my previous homes before that did happen. But the fact that if you move, you know, from more climate, you know, northern climate, and you move down here, you're just used to keeping that fan on yeah. all year long. And what happens if you're down here and you kind of kind of leave it on? It kind of creates some moisture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it changes absolutely. So I thought that that was. Interesting. I never thought about some of these things. I mean, you know, he's like he he looks at all this stuff forensically. He goes in, and he's like a detective, and he kind of wants to know why, you know, wants to know the why and the how and so on and so forth. And I never really think about think about things the way that he thinks about it. In a, you know, very very meticulous. Yeah. Way because you know normally you know we we have a problem somebody wants to solve we kind of go in we solve the problem and yeah uh, you know his whole thought process well he said too you know you don't you, he's like when he's called as a witness I'm not for the insurance or the contractor right. uh, I think that's something that's important for contractors too is we we say all the time that we're advocates for the customer and it, I, I think it was said in our room and, and at the event we're not we're advocates for the structure right so. Right. Is what because what the customer wants, they can be just as bad as as the the insurance company sometimes in their expectations, and we get all riled up about defending something that has no data or no grounding in what the. Because uh, I think Ralph brought up some of those sometimes. Yeah, it was a long term loss, and this is excluded. You know? <laughs> and that that uh, Mickey Lee always said that, and he says he always says, "Be the advocate for the project." Yeah. Period. If you do the right thing for the project, everything else falls in place. Yeah. It's the same point. Okay. Hey, so listen, guys. Um, Joseph, we're gonna do. We're gonna start the round up at one o'clock. All right. We'll probably go to about one fifteen. So move in route. Move. Do some key points in Crosa and Ed Cross, and then we'll go into the roundup. Yeah. Okay. You got it, Cliff. Um. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> hey, I, I I understand authority. No problem. Okay, Crosa. First of all, he had a really cute dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, 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 but the funny thing is, he, he and I have cute dogs, and my dog kind of looked like his. And we don't have, but the difference is my dog is a Havanese dog. That's the national dog of Cuba. Mm -hmm. And I figured that that's what he had. He's Cuban. I know. Yeah, right. I figured that he didn't. So, but in any event, um, I, I think with Crosa that you know he's attended um, 
insurance conferences. He's attended uh, like the storm conference that was going on, I guess, at the same right, time, same time. As this, in Orlando, which is a lot of public adjusters and uh, vendors and, and so on and so forth. And uh, that we, it's, it's good to know that we think alike. Okay, <laughs> uh, uh, we we think about how we can beat the insurance company, and the insurance company kind of thinks about how they can beat the contractor and how they can beat the policyholder. So yeah, uh, and I think his idea of compromise is uh, important. And it, yeah. yeah, but he just has that natural. I mean, when, when you just the mannerisms and yeah. he's soft spoken, and and you can tell that he really means it. You yeah, know? I mean that's. That that really comes over. Well, his character is Widow Brown, but he also says, "Don't ask, don't allow Widow Brown to get you into a scenario that you shouldn't be in." That's right. Yeah, don't feel don't feel too sorry for Widow Brown that you're gonna yeah do, do something stuff. bad for your business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the, but the funny thing is, I wanted to ask him a question, and I'm, I, I didn't get a chance to do it because he had told about the story where a good friend of his that worked for an insurance company, he had this big sewage claim yeah. and the insurance company, I guess, told him it was covered, kind of led him on to believe that it was covered and, and so on and so forth. And I guess at the end, uh, they kind of reneged on the coverage. I forgot to ask him whether the insurance company was going to let him make up the loss on the next job. None of us have ever heard that. Get it right. Get it right. Let's see. Um, it kind of told us that the insurance company uh, you know, kind of whines a lot about not making money, but they're actually, uh, you know, I guess it's a one, I think in the United States, property casualty is a $1.6 trillion business. And, uh, you know, they've taken in trillions, but they're only paying out millions. So I think they're still doing okay. You know, I talked about problems in Florida, you know, with, with coverages and the new law and yeah. uh, the, you know, the new law here. I think hurts everybody. I think it hurts the policyholders and that, and it hurts the contractors. Well, um, I, I was, he, he brought up too, you know, um, it, we'll, we'll get into Ed and, and even what uh, Popper and, and Peterson were talking about, but it's, it's amazing. One of the most amazing things to me about the shenanigans in Florida is under the guise of consumer protection, they can take away consumers' rights. Right. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they hand it away. And the politicians are in on it too, probably because they don't know any better. But, um, but people, people will say, yeah, we got rid of AOB. It's like, well, you got rid of your own rights. Right. All right. Um, any more on Peter Cross's presentation? It was a great presentation. Yeah. Let's good. go to the roundup, John. And then he concluded. <laughs> he dropped the mic. All right, shout out to our friends at Madison IAQ. Let's go back to the Z-Man and John Isaacson for their top 10 list. We got a top 10 list, actually? We do. Although, I think there's more. And Ed, Ed kind of screwed up his numbers, I think, a little bit. But well, he got interrupted. Shocker. Yeah. Right. I wonder who would have interrupted him. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe, I gotta have, I got to have a new icon for the watchdog. It's going to be this big, huge nutcracker, right? <laughs> nutcracker, like you crack the 
small enough, you know, I can't, I can't say that's what I'm going to have. <laughs> I'll get I you one on the show. All right. All right thank you. So, uh, yeah, he gave us his top 10 list and his 10th, you know, kind of like, who does it on TV? Who's the guy that does it on Letterman. TV? Letterman. Letterman, yeah. Letterman. So, uh, number 10 was neglecting your bread and butter business and, and your core customers uh, who rely upon you uh, for being available. It's just not a good thing. I didn't, uh, well, uh, differentiate between cat versus non-cat. I actually stopped writing them down. At okay, all right. Number nine, failing to understand the difference between cat work and non-cat work. And number eight was failing to properly plan to enter a minefield. And you need a proven mentor. You need to think about food, shelter, fuel, clothing, and have a local liaison if you're going to come in from out of town. Uh, number seven was beware of slimy chasing mm. and being too aggressive. Uh, number six, uh, assuming falsely that industry standards don't apply. And he talked about should and shall. And um, talked about, uh, let's see. I, let's go to number five. Failing to use state valid contracts uh, is, a, is a big issue. That different states have different requirements, and yeah. uh, if you use an, an out of if you use the wrong contract, uh, they you um, they don't have to pay you for the job and, and yeah, hosed. yeah, yeah, and all, all sorts of other stuff like that. And then he talked about having the contract that was too tough, too, that was totally in your favor, uh, that that could be uh, taken away in court as well. Um, he came up with the uh, he came up with an idea that I came up with 40 years ago. Plagiarism. That's right. You heard it here on IQ Radio. And what's amazing is somebody only gave me somebody took away 15 years credit because <laughs> he said 25 years and it was 40. Yeah. But you know, in our in our business, we stopped using the term estimate many many years ago. We just did not use it. You know, we would call it a, a damage appraisal or. And, and he suggests that we call it. He suggests that we call it bid, but you only gave me 25 well, no, years. That, you know what? That 25 bid. was was we did the Willie started. I didn't go all the way back to Z-Man and the Unhouse. That was up to Willie. That was okay. Willie. Um, I yeah. never would shortchange it. Right. So so Ed suggests that uh, we call it a bid, uh, not not an estimate, and that um, once we have a contract, that that becomes the scope of work. Scope of record, yeah. Right, and then that we should send invoices. So, so, so hold on yeah. to that. The important, Ed, uh, Joe, this is an important point. Ed said with that point, he is now officially making a statement to the industry, and he rolled it out at the workshop that he is going to advocate now that the entire industry does not use the word estimate at all anymore, period. And and the, what, what they've done with Xactimate, they call it a report. And all this kind of stuff. We need to, with the, with the AJ, I think what we need to do as advocates, we need to clarify the language of the industry and get everyone to use that to eliminate confusion so we don't get manipulated, either intentionally or by accident in an honest way that we kind of get, uh, put to us. 
All right. That was an important, very important. I imagine he's going to roll that out at the convention. I'm not sure, but you know, our re our reasoning is that 40 or 50 years ago, we used to advertise in the yellow pages, and everybody, regardless of what their service was, whether there's a glass replacement or flooring or roof, everyone gave free estimates. So it devalued what we did. You know, where you go in and you're doing a scope and you know putting a house back together after it's severely damaged. Yeah. And well, we we advertise that we we covered that on our podcast. You, know, you want a free estimate? Tell me a little bit about your. Okay, it sounds like it's maybe fifteen hundred dollars. Would you like me to come out and do a bid? <laughs> we charge for that. That's, that's a good thing. Um, I, I think another good point that Ed made: don't charge the dry stuff you're going to remove, mm. and that you know make a choice one or the other. Wh wh which line item do you want to get paid for? Drying it or taking it out? But don't mm. don't, don't double dip. Um, let's see. Customer needs skin in the game. Yeah, customer needs skin in the game. You know, get a written commitment. Uh, lump, you know, he used lump sum fixed price on, and he said at the beginning of the job, you should be able to give that customer uh, a fixed price or a lump sum price uh, on day one. I'm a big believer in that. Um, he talked about, I think, the value of joining RIA because. They've written uh, position statements and uh, white papers, and you know they're actually advocating this stuff at the uh, you know at government level. Um, let's see. And then he said, "Exactimate is not up to the ten command. It's not the ten command." <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was pretty we, good. We do a pretty good job of following those in America. That's the Ten Commandments? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, failing to understand how flood insurance works. Mm -hmm. You have to, most people you know, may not know that, that mm -hmm. they have to buy it. Uh, it's a separate uh, type of policy. Something very different. Um, uh, you know, number three was failing to secure advanced payment. Um, you know, if you, and, and most on most cat work, regardless, you're not going to get paid on time. So it's really, really important to get that yeah that, that advance payment. When we had a comment, Lauren uh, McIntyre brought that up. Kind of, you know, he's working with the contractor, and you know, three months later, they're sending him the documentation for him to write an estimate, and then they're, well, how come I'm not getting paid? Like, well, you waited three months to <laughs> and then send your invoice in. And then so actually, actually, Casey Clark brought that up. He said, when it's done. And it's ready. You got to send Boom. the work. You have to send it in. If you waited two or three weeks and then you're complaining they didn't get paid, well, you didn't give that send. You didn't send a bill. In. Well, especially on the larger stuff, though. Yeah. You know, sending weekly updates. Hey, this is where we're at. This is our ROM. This is our. You know, making sure the adjuster and all the people that are in the chain of, of events are. You know, there's ways to better secure their money. And contractors are notorious for. Blaming everybody but themselves. So, Cliff, uh, wait. Okay, go ahead. If we can roll the time machine back yeah. to like yesterday, this is about the time that somebody very loudly said with a New York accent <laughs> <laughs> what the number one point was. But Ed was on number two. Okay. <laughs> and Ed talked about the importance of getting cash up front. And then number one was failing to comply with local licensing laws uh, can put yeah. you in jail and, yeah. uh, in Florida, in Florida and, and other 
Well, Pete he sent that email about the guy that got arrested. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. But there, there is one thing I want to clarify. He said on a point with Ed about price. What Ed said about the price was this. He said he's always advocated in the last few years you should give a lump sum price to estimate. It's the strongest contract that you can have. Even if the number's high, live with it. But he said, but a lot of contractors can't do that have an inability when you're standing 2 o'clock in the morning knee deep. He said the second best thing is to have your time and material stuff in there, in the estimate, and that they've agreed to that and you're clearing it. But then what he said was, at that point, once that first couple days, when you get ready to put it back together, you need to have a firm estimate for that. I, I agree with that. I, I think that gives a little bit of it. Sometimes they just can't, but at least you've qualified what, you know, how you're going to charge. And actually, the, the, the fellow that, uh, before it was first on site, it was Rollins, and their attorney at one of our shows essentially said that that's what they did. They put that in the contract for the mitigation part. And that when you move into the part where you actually are going to do the, you know, then, then you can give a firm estimate. But on a lot of these big losses, it's just difficult and you can establish it. So I, I thought that was good information. If the industry moves towards that, that's a good best practice. Uh, John, you got anything else um, on that or anything? No. I All right. At this point, Joe, I want Ashley Easterby. I want you in that seat. Ken Larson, I want you in that seat. Go. Go. Come back All right. Into oh, ecstasy. Go. Well done, gentlemen. Right. So I want Ashley to kind of weigh in on... Uh, as an Aussie, you know, Ashley was a guy behind the scenes that helped with all kinds of stuff. Uh, him and John were the volunteers that worked with Ricky Sims and uh, and helped with the setup, the breakdown for all the events all week. Uh, acknowledged them. They they uh, were at the registration table. Just made everything flow. Those summer camp guys know. When, when I brought into the office to meet Ricky Sims, I said, you remember Ashley? You know what she said, Andy? She goes, Oh, yeah, he's the bear guy at summer camp. And uh, so I wanted to weigh in on that. And then we're going to move to the rain, man. Uh, our friend Ken Larson, you know, he attends everything, comes to everything, you know, as a unique way of looking at it. And then we'll kind of let you weigh in on your thoughts and, on everything from both the, the symposium, the workshop, whatever. So you're on, Ash. Go. Thank you, Joanna. To start with, um, I thought that Ricky and Rick and the organisers, Pete, and the guys behind the scenes did a really good job on managing uh, managing the event and getting it ready to go. I thought Ricky did a great job with the stuff they were doing. Um, I thought the events were really good in that they gave a cross-section of the industry, the pioneer discussion uh, with the pioneers, stuff old guys know, was, uh, was excellent to get these guys together talking with, you know, 40 and 50 years experience in the industry. Uh, Andy, great job with what you guys, you did putting it all together. I thought Pete, the day yesterday uh, was excellent too for the more focus probably on the restorers. Uh, and I thought that was good. Um, it was excellent feedback, excellent speakers. And it was a fun time. The dinners every night, I'm still getting over them. <laughs> that was superb. I thought the whole event was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this event, and I was thinking while I was in attendance how <clears throat> our industry has no formal education for those who wish to be an indoor environmental professional. And yeah, I thought you. that, and I hope that Pete doesn't, you know, hate me for this characterization, but I think this event accommodates the indoor environmental professional or those who are seeking to develop their skills as an IEP. We know that the standards speak about the IEP quite extensively, 
but nobody knows how to get that that skill set. So I think at this event, you're surrounded by others who are have that similar focus. And so the networking conversations become particularly interesting because we are um, we, our conversations center around those kinds of challenges and how we can help the contractor or the insurer or the policyholder resolve some of these IAQ issues. Um, the other thing that I, I thought, and I really like the way the, this whole radio interview started by um, talking about these uh, OGs, these uh, gurus uh, that have somewhat retired in the industry. And as I was sitting there in the audience, I mean, I'm 61 years old now, so I'm coming up on my retirement years. And I was looking at them and reflecting on their disposition and their experiences. And now, you know, they're somewhat retired or semi-retired and they're reflecting back on their career. And what I particularly enjoyed was, I don't know about everybody else, but I mean, I had good times and I had some really rough times in my career, some really poor, you know, I, I was struggling for cash and, you know, difficulties and whatever. And so did they. And yet here they are at the end of their career and they're reflecting back and they're going like, yeah, this, this, it was an adventure and it was worth it. Yeah. And I, I thought that uh, I, I was encouraged by that. I didn't feel as if I was the only one that has gone through that experience. So yeah. I kind of like that. Um, and I think that's pretty much all that I uh, wanted to, to say here. I intend on being at next year's event. Where's it going to be, Pete? Well, we, we're going to... We, it's going to be in the Fort Lauderdale area, and it will be hopefully the last week of January. We, we haven't set the exact family. We might go back to Deerfield because that's been good, but that hasn't been decided. But it'll be in Fort Lauderdale. And we uh, we have to check and make sure that we don't conflict with those other events. So if we had to move it to February, but it's always going to be, it'll be between the championship games and the Super Bowl. We don't want to conflict the Super Bowl. We, now we have, we have a two-week span for that. We only have one. So anyway, it's going to be within there. We're going to send out uh, a blast to the winter break database uh, next week. Just saying, hey, stay tuned. Keep it on your calendar. More to come. I got to meet with Brittany and Brown. You know, I got to talk with them about it, and we got to work the details out. Ken, I want to comment on something that you said. You you had told me that you always enjoyed the early summer camps that the crowd was smaller. And in the recent years, the crowd so dog gotten big, it's hard to really have time to do that. The one thing that I liked about this with both the the – the building science and Andy's event, and even the setup of the room clip, I, I specifically was very conscious about setting that room up to have that kind of feel in the interaction. So I'm not, I sincerely, I appreciate your mention that. Didn't know what, what that, but that was something. But so Ken, this reminds me is that this event and even the winter break is more like that. You know, you have this 150, 200 crowd, it's large enough to be significant, but it's small enough that you still can have the interaction with the networking and even the dialogue and the interaction in the sessions. It gives you the opportunity to do that. The other thing that's important to say on this, uh, Joe, is we, this is the first time in, in Mr. Intentional Layer and Restorer, we took a risk to offer this program in the combined combination of live and uh, Zoom, which I guess is maybe the new model in the post-pandemic post world. And we, outside of a few little technical clicks early, I think the day went really smooth. Apparently, somebody really screwed up and gave out the uh, the, the private um, uh, uh, number for the internet. 
And at some point, everybody was on. We had to tell them to log off because it froze the damn screen, and the two attorneys were talking. So I don't know that guy, but hey, we ought to slap him. Now, uh, so, but here's what the highlight at the end with Crosa. Patty Harmon from Claims Magazine, which is also PC360, she's the editor-in-chief, she followed the entire event. They were, they were a supporter. She took notes, copious notes. She followed everything. And then she asked in the log for some information and she got feedback. And basically I, I suspect that she's trying to help to educate the insurance industry to, to build bridges with our industry. And she got some good feedback. She took in the very end, she kind of came on the Zoom, said hello to us. I thought that was nice. And I really appreciate Patty basically taking the time to do that. And uh, with that, before we close out, uh, Joe, we got Charlie Cassani in here who's, who's you know, He's one of the old guys too, knows stuff. And uh, he was retired and then some young man pulled him out and then he's back in there. And then we got another young stud here who's some new guy who reminds me of me 40 years ago. And, and let them kind of just maybe say a couple words and then we'll just move to you and I, and I think this show's over. So Charlie, why don't you walk over there and just stand there so they can hear you. Now, yeah, okay, you got, yeah, you stay seated. Go just walk over there just as long as they can hear you by the, by the uh, yeah. So weigh in with a couple couple of comments, Charlie. You know, the most important thing to me was that, Peter, you encouraged me to come down here. And I had mixed emotions about it because I'm not sure how much building science relates to the things that we normally do. Boy, was I wrong. And the HBAC information that we received was top notch. I found out that Neil, uh, one of the founding fathers, graduated from Cal State Sacramento a year before I did. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, it was. Any rate, no, I thought the whole thing was excellent. And the day we spent together yesterday, dynamite, absolute dynamite. Thank Thanks, Charlie. Guys. All right, come on, get Thank out there, Mr. John March. What are we calling him? He's Contractor John. Contractor John, baby. Come on, get over there. Make sure you're talking to that speaker thing there. Well, I don't matter. Say anything. Say what's like. You've been talking and chatting with me for four days. Now I give you the microphone, and he's like tongue tied. Publicly. Just what you think of the whole thing? Why'd you come? Well, and what are you gonna do? I came here to expand my bandwidth of knowledge, learn more stuff about what we do behind the scenes in building science, uh, aside from roofing or building things. It's nice to know how they all work together instead of one specific component. We touched on that at dinner last night on a different component about the policyholder, the homeowner versus the property. Yeah. It's great to just be around people that care about the project or the, the property. Uh, commercial building, roofing, solar, all kinds of different credentials or alphabets behind my name. So. Just want to help out any way I can and bring some more knowledge to this. Thank Where you. are you from, John? I'm from Hollywood, Florida, but I live in Ocala, Florida now. Okay, great. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Hey, Joe, I got a question for you. Did anyone get the trivia question? Yes. Mr. Uh, Mr. Lapoter was the first in with that correct answer. Okay. All right. If I got it right. You were looking Thank for the zero with law, correct? Correct. I was looking for the zero with law thermodynamics. You got it, buddy. John Lapater is... graciously uh, allowed Pete to boss him around as he uh, handed the mic around to the various people in our workshop. Yeah. So thank John, you, John. John, John, had, John is, was great with the Donahue mic, and uh, it worked out great. That that whole thing went really pretty good. Uh, just so you know, you know. Um, yeah, he said, my pleasure, and, and, 
Joe, so one of the things that uh, Cliff and John, we talked yesterday, me and John Eisen, we're going to do the blog as a joint blog between the Z-Man and the Intentional Restorer. And so um, I think it will be important that we broaden the review since we're making comments a lot of people. We're going to talk about the logistics, but it might be a good thing to get it kind of vetted outside of that so that we get the comments right. But anyway, we try to get it all done and get it in time. I'll help facilitate the review. I mean, these guys will write the blog, and I think before you include anyone, guys, if you give it to me, let me then, I want to bet it because, you know, I think that's a good thing to do since we kind of threw a lot around. At least give Andy the No hand. guarantees. Yeah. Yeah, no guarantees. You see, we got that nutcracker and let's get that thing up there. You know, it's part <laughs> of the roundup and maybe you can put the icon in there. Anyway, uh, I, I personally want to thank everybody for all the support behind the scenes. This is a team effort, let me tell you, without all the moving parts, we could never deliver an event like this. And it is stressful. Waiting for the registrations to come in. Are you going to lose money? Can you pay the bills? Because <laughs> this is not a profit center by any means. This is a labor of love. And anyway, we're sometimes you just got to go like that. And you got to just have, well, I can't believe I'm going to say you got to have faith. <laughs> you got to have faith. We, we do. He's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and with that, Joe, on behalf of everyone involved in Winter Break Week, which is an event. With components. I thank you. I thank IQ Radio for putting up with me. Thank <laughs> <Yeah>, you, <laughs> Joe. Oh, we love you, Pete. Thanks so much. This is Radio Joe saying thanks to this week's guests, the Z-Man and John Isaacson, the Intentional Restorer in the DYO Joe podcast. Check him out sometime. Also want to thank Andy Oss for joining us. Of course, uh, we also had here, we got Ken Larson, Ashley Easterby, Charlie Cassini. Um, thank you all for joining us. I also want to oh, make sure. Contractor John. Contractor John. Thank you, Contractor John. Uh, and the Nutcracker himself, Pete Consigli. But uh, no. yeah, <laughs> Hey, please come back and join us next Friday at noon. Next week, by the way, we've got a, another restoration show. We've got Scott Walden of VetCore, an interesting group there. We're looking forward to talking to him next Friday on the next episode of IAQ Radio Plus. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reel saying thanks for listening. Somebody, somebody.